Exodus chapter 32, beginning at verse 1. As we go to this word, the word of God says, When the people saw how long it was taking for Moses to come back down from a mountain, gathering around Aaron, they gathered around Aaron, they said, Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And when Aaron took the gold, he melted it down. He molded into a shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. He announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings, peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and indulged in pagan robbery. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down the gold and made a calf. They bowed down and sacrificed to it. And they're saying, these are your gods of Israel who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. And I've titled this message this morning, It's Time to Tighten Up. It's time to tighten up. Come on, help me preach and turn to your neighbor and say, hey, it's time to tighten up right now. Come on. Tighten up. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you bless this word. Help me to preach it. Help us to understand it, Lord. We thank you for your blessings, for our church. And I would just pray, Lord, that you would help us man, to apply this to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word this morning. Tighten up. It's time to tighten up. Let me ask you a question, church. Does it ever feel like your life's falling apart? Does it ever feel like you're going the wrong direction or have no direction? Do you feel lost? Do you feel hopeless? Maybe you've come to this church this morning and you're frustrated with life. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I look back and I say to God sometimes, I say, what are you doing up there? You ever wonder what is God doing? So if you've ever felt frustrated, tired, exhausted, if it ever looks like your life is falling apart, if it has no direction and you feel hopelessly lost and you're wondering what God is doing in your life, you are not alone. In fact, this is exactly what Moses must have felt like. To give you a background of what's happening, Moses took the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage for 430 years. And they're on their way to a better life. They're on their way to the promised land. And as the Israelites are leaving Egypt, it's amazing that they started worshiping. They started singing songs, praises to God. They started feeling all this type of freedom and goodness going on. They were worshiping, saying, God is good. This is amazing. But you fast forward just a few chapters later, and you see that the people have completely rebelled against God. And it's interesting for anyone that's ever had a strong start with God and now it feels like you're rebelling and you don't even feel like going to church anymore and your prayer life is weak and you don't worship like you used to. 
this might be exactly how you feel today. The people started off strong with God, but by chapter 32, they're worshiping idols. They're involved in pagan worship, and they've turned away from God. But here's the interesting thing about Moses. As a leader, he must have felt so discouraged because Moses sacrificed so much of his time. He sacrificed so much of his life trying to get the people free. And Moses goes up to the mountain to talk with God. He spends 40 days on top of this mountain. Just think about this with me. Moses is on a mountain with the most beautiful view. And he's talking one-on-one with God. And he's peaceful. And he's radiant. And he can feel God so close to him as he speaks. And one day, God tells Moses, Moses, it's time to go down from the mountain. And I need you to confront the people because the people are acting wrong. And as Moses goes down from the mountain, he sees all the people living in sin. He sees the people worshiping a calf. He sees them naked. He sees them corralling. He sees them wild. He sees that they have all have turned from God. I would imagine as Moses, he must have felt like the biggest failure as a leader. He must have felt discouraged. He must have felt that he's done something wrong. But here's what I really picked up on as I read this. You see, sometimes in your life, you're going to have this mountaintop experience with God. Show me your hands if you can recall a season in your life you felt peace and you felt close to God. Can you show me your hand? You're saying, Pastor, I remember those times. See, I remember those times. It might be you went away on the retreat. Maybe sometimes on a Sunday morning, you have such a great time at church and everything is great and you feel peaceful, you feel happy, you feel love, you feel the presence of God. This is exactly how Moses must have felt until he came off the mountain and saw the people acting wrong. And sometimes this is what life's going to look like. See, some of you would be the best Christians ever if people never existed. Amen? Can I get a witness? Some of you would be Like Jesus himself, you'd be so spiritual, so holy if people weren't around. You are your best you when you are alone. But how many of you have some dumb people in your life? Show me your hand, dumb people. How many of you can't raise your hand because they're next to you? (laughs) Amen, don't look that way, don't look that way. But see, Moses is on top of a mountain He's praising God. He's glowing. He's worshiping. God is talking to him. He's great. But the second he comes down from the mountain, the Bible says he saw everyone acting wrong. And Moses, not only was he discouraged, but the Bible was clear that Moses was angry. And he got the two tablets, the tablets that were written, the commandments were on. And he, in his anger, he just broke them and smashed them on the ground. So on top of now Moses being discouraged because the people are acting wrong, he is now acting wrong because he let his anger get the best of him. He responded the wrong way. And in a moment of passion and anger, he just shattered the commandments and he messed up his testimony. He was a bad example as a leader at that time. So now Moses not only feels like a failure because the people are acting wrong, he feels like a failure because he's acting wrong. And I don't know about you, but have you ever allowed your anger to get the best of you? And maybe you did the wrong thing. You said the wrong things. You slammed a few doors. You broke a few glasses. You slammed the door and you caused all this commotion and all this mess. And you said all these hurtful things in front of your children. In front of people in your work that know you're a Christian. In front of people that are looking up to you to be the leader of godliness. See, Moses allowed his anger to get the best of him because you can always have this mountaintop experience with God. You're going to have to confront people in your life and people will not always act the way you want them to. Can I get an amen there? 
People will not always do things according to how you want them to. Moses gave them a direction, the most simplest direction. Stay here till I get back. That's it. Stay. Wait till I get back. And when Moses got back, the people had turned completely away from God. See, the first point I want to make here is not only will you not always have this amazing experience with God one-on-one, but you're going to confront people in your life that are wrong. You're going to confront people in your life that are not living the way you want them to. You're going to confront people that are going to hurt you by their choices. And I'm sure Moses was hurt because Moses spent his time, his energy, his sacrifice for these people, and they just turned away from him and God. Notice that the people said, we don't even know what happened to this fellow, Moses. They degraded him as just a common fellow. No, that guy was the one that sacrificed his life, put his life on the line to get you out of Egypt, and because he's not doing those things you want him to, you've abandoned him, you've turned your back on him, and now he's just some fellow to you. That's exactly what's going to happen in your life. There are going to be people you love, people you gave your time to, people you sacrificed for, and they're going to mistreat you. They're not going to care. They're not going to appreciate. And they're going to act all types of wrong. But the question is, how will you respond? Moses responded in anger. And as a result, he messed up his testimony. But here's where it gets interesting. Moses is now discouraged. He's angry with the people. He's angry at himself because his anger got the best of him. Moses probably feels defeated and discouraged. Because remember, one of Moses' greatest flaws was his anger. One of Moses' greatest weaknesses was his temper. See, if you can describe Moses as anything, he would be a hot-tempered, godly man. Just out of curiosity, how many hot-tempered people do I have here? Oh, most of my leaders. Uh Uh-oh, okay, all right. Moses was an angry man. In fact, Moses would always have to deal with anger. Moses got angry and he killed the, the Egyptian, lost everything, spent 40 years in the desert. Moses now got angry and broke the commandments and lost his testimony. And ultimately, in the end of his life, Moses would get angry again, strike a rock, disobey God, and miss out the promised land. My point is this. There are certain weaknesses in our lives that bad people bring out the worst of us. And Moses now is in a place in his life where he feels angry. He's angry at the people. He's angry at himself. He's angry because maybe he thought that anger, he thought he was over, that temptation he once had, the temper that once ruled his life. I thought I was over that. I thought that wasn't going to be around anymore. But it happened again and again and again. And now Moses is not sure what to do. Moses is not sure if they're going to continue to the promised land. Moses is not even sure if God's just going to kill everyone. And Moses describes their life this way. Look at Exodus chapter 32, but with verse 25 with me. Moses said, he saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of what? Out of control. Moses was the writer of this book. And the best phrase that Moses could have thought of to describe how he felt And what he saw was out of control. It's just out of control. If you were there and you would say, Moses, what's really going on? He would tell you, it's out of control. Moses, how do you feel? I feel like I'm out of control. It's out of control. But here's what's worse. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control. Much to the amusement of their enemies. 
What I find fascinating about this is not only were the people acting wrong and out of control, the enemy was laughing. The enemy was looking at them, laughing. If we're honest enough today, it seems like life is out of control lately, amen? Out of control might be the best way to describe your life. Saying, Pastor, my life's out of control. I don't know my future. I don't know what's next. I'm dominated by my past. My whole life is out of control. Maybe out of control best describes your home. And the things in public are fine. You work hard. People respect you. You're loved outside. But when you get home, you might say, my home is out of control. Pastor, my finances are out of control. I have to choose what I'm going to pay. The debt is rising. Everything's out of control financially. Maybe you can relate to out of control in your children. And you're saying, Pastor, my children are out of control. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know why they're acting this way. They won't listen to me. They're rebellious. It's not the child that I was raising. My kids are out of control. Pastor, my emotions are out of control. I'm happy that I'm sad. I'm optimistic that I'm angry. I'm discouraged and depressed, and then I'm okay again. My emotions are all over the place. I feel guilty, then I feel forgiven. I feel anxious, and then I feel peace. And my emotions have me completely out of control. My health is out of control. My mouth is out of control. I know I should not have said that, but I lost control. I know that, why did that even, even leave my mouth? It's out of control. Pastor, my eyes are out of control. I look where I shouldn't look. And when I try to turn away, I just keep looking. My whole life is out of control. But I believe that what's worse about your life being so out of control is that the enemy, Satan, is looking at you in amusement. He's laughing at you. Because he sees you in church today. He sees you going to the discipleship class. He sees you going to Wednesday night Bible study. He sees you here in the pews on Sunday morning listening to Pastor David. He's here watching you worship along with Frankie and the team. He sees you trying, but he knows that deep down inside your whole life is out of control. And he sits back there and he's amused and he's laughing. He's laughing at how out of control your life is. And you're supposed to be a Christian. And you're supposed to have it all together. And you're supposed to be happy. And you're supposed to be raising great children. And you're supposed to have a happy marriage. And look, everything in your life is out of control. And the enemy just sits there laughing. In fact, I believe that Satan is laughing now. Not only do I believe he's laughing at you, I believe he's laughing at our country right now. Our country that's supposed to be under God and founded on Christian principles. But it seems a lot lately like our country is completely out of control. He's looking at the church today. And it's completely out of control. It's so out of control in the church today that just in the early 1960s, 70% of people in America went to church on a regular basis. Today, 15%. 15%. Every year, 2 million people stop going to church. Every year. And after COVID, 17% of people stopped going to church altogether. They stopped watching online. They stayed at home. They got comfortable. They just left all together. In fact, there's another poll I read that it, the people that are in the church, 65% of them are lost. Not even saved. It's great. And another 66% of people that call themselves Christians are divorcing. Marriage is 
on the weekend is lying. It's being destroyed. Where more and more people are choosing not to be married, they're choosing just to live with each other, and those that are married are getting divorced. 68% of men are watching pornography at least once a month in the church. There's something wrong. When the devil can look at all of us, look at you, look at me, look at our families, look at our church, look at our nation, and he's just sitting back laughing. Because you should be walking with God. You should be going to the promised land. You should be living a better life. But your life's out of control. See, what's happening here in Exodus is happening to us today. We should be better. The world should look at us as an example. But it seems like everything's out of control. Exodus 32.25 Notice what the Bible says. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people go completely out of control. Much to the amusement of the enemy. Moses saw that Aaron let the people go completely out of control. The word out of control there in the Hebrew, remember this is written in the exact Hebrew language, is the word para. That word para in the Hebrew literally means to neglect, to ignore, and to loosen. It's Moses has given the analogy of a rope that used to be tight. But when that rope was neglected and ignored, it just got loose. And when that rope gets loose, that knot gets loose, it becomes undone. And Moses said, Aaron, you let it happen. Can I preach to you this morning? Moses confronts him and says, Aaron, you let this happen. You neglected your responsibility. Aaron, you were in charge. But Aaron, somewhere down the line, you loosened up and you gave in. And see, when a knot becomes loose, it eventually becomes undone. That's why when you look at people's life today, it looks like it's undone. It looks like it's falling apart. Why? Because we've become loose. And people are just loosening up a little. In fact, it's looked at in a negative manner if you are uptight. Have you ever been called an uptight Christian? An uptight parent? An uptight pastor? I have. But see, all the devil needs you to do, loosen up. Just loosen up. And when you loosen up a little, it's only a matter of time till it gets undone. And your life is out of control. Here's the truth, and I say this with love. Brace yourself. You guys ready? If your life's out of control, you did it. Take a moment, let that sink in. If your life is out of control and it's coming undone, the problem is you. That's why Moses, he goes up to Aaron and he says, you let the people get out of control. 
And what if you're telling God, God, my life's out of control. It's becoming undone. It's falling apart. And God in turn says, yeah, but you let it happen. Well, how did I let it happen? Because you started neglecting your responsibilities. You started loosening up a little. You gave in to the temptation. You gave in to the people. You gave in to compromise like Aaron. And before you know it, a little tight rope became loose and that little loose rope became undone. You see, what God is saying here to us as a church today is as if your life is out of control, you let it happen. And Aaron is confronted with this truth. Aaron, you let this happen. But I love what happens next. It's shocking. Verse 21 through 24. Aaron did exactly what many of you do. He turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such a terrible sin upon them? See, Moses first tells Aaron, Aaron, what happened? I left a second ago. I left for a few days to be with God and I come back and everything's out of control. Aaron, how did you let this happen? Aaron, what happened? Aaron, you had one job. And I love what Aaron says. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. That's the first thing I want to tell you. If you get upset when people confront you about your sin, that tells me how far from God you've gotten. If you say, well, I don't like when you tell me about sin, Pastor. Pastor, I get all upset when you get mean up there. Pastor, I get all upset when you talk to me about sin. That's how far you've gotten from God. And Moses is saying this not to bring judgment on him, not to destroy him. He is saying this because he loves Aaron. And he's asking Aaron, Aaron, how did your life get out of control this way? And Aaron says, don't get upset. Aaron replies. And the first thing he did, you yourself know how evil these people are. Now pause that verse for a second. Because notice the first thing Aaron says. It's the people's fault. You know how evil they are. You know it was the people. And they made me do it. And Aaron shifts blame from his responsibility. Because if we're honest with ourselves today, it's easier for us to blame our out-of-control lives on others. Amen? It's easy for people to say, well, I know my life's out of control. I know I'm out of control. I know my children are out of control. I know my marriage is out of control. Don't be upset. It's not my fault. It's them. My life's out of control because of the parents that raised me. My life is out of control because of my childhood. My life is out of control because of my spouse. My life is out of control because of my job. My life is out of control because of the church. My life is out of control because of these people and these people and that person. And all we seem to do lately is shift our focus and our blame on other people and not take responsibility for our own actions and our own out-of-control life. It's so much easier for us to blame. And I am the way I am, even though it's wrong, but you have to understand, I am the way I am because of these people. Don't get upset, oh Moses. It's their fault. And he shifts blame. But I'm sure Moses gave him a look or something because then he changes the story. I'm sure the minute Aaron said, hey, listen, you know how evil these people are, Moses must have been like, really? That's what you're going with? So he says, don't get upset, my Lord. You yourself know how evil these people are. First thing, if your life's out of control, stop blaming others. Stop blaming others. I have husbands that are out of control and they blame their evil wife. 
I have wives that are out of control and they blame their evil husband. I have people that are out of control and they blame their evil boss, their evil children, their evil people all around them. Can I tell you, we live in a world of evil. We're surrounded by evil people. And if you're going to always blame the evil around you, you're never going to change. So let me preach to you this morning. Stop shifting your blame on other people. If you really want to see restoration and change in your life, do not be that person that says, it's not me, don't be upset. It's everyone else is the problem. Everyone else is at fault. It's not me. I'm, I'm innocent. I'm, I'm wasn't me. Don't be upset. And then Moses says, Aaron, tell me the truth. Okay, okay, okay. They said, he's still blaming me. They said, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So far, he's being honest. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. Okay, he's being honest. And when they brought it to me, here where it gets crazy. I simply threw it into the fire. And out came a calf. Moses. I just, I don't know what happened. One second, I had the jewelry in my hands and I threw it in the fire. Poof! A cow just came out out of nowhere. It just happened. Moses said, You should have stuck with your first one. It just happened. I simply just threw it. Poof. And there was a little calf. But the Bible finished mentioning to us in our opening verse that Aaron got the gold and started molding it and shaping it and banging it and making it. But he's lying. Because this is the number two thing we do when our lives are out of control. Not only do we just shift blame and focus off our responsibility, but we lie to ourselves. Aaron knew he molded that calf. Aaron knew he got the mold and he made the calf and he made it and created it. He did it himself, but he did not want to admit the truth. So he lied to Moses and he was lying to himself that it just Isn't that what we do? When our lives are out of control? You know, how did it happen? I don't know. It just happened. It just happened. It just happened. I don't know. It just happened. Sin doesn't just happen. You plan it. You work it. I don't know how it happened, Pastor. She just fell on my lap. I don't know how it happened. One minute I'm in church praising our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And the next I'm in the bar. And the bottle's in my mouth. It just happens. I don't know how it happened, Pastor. It just happened. I don't know how my children were, were in Sunday school and singing songs on Easter and it just happened and now they're just out of the church and no longer worshiping God. It, it just happened. I don't know how it happened. I, I just got divorced. My marriage just didn't work out. I don't know how it happened. I don't know. It just happened. You're lying to yourself. Because if you want to know what really happened, if your life's out of control, it's not the people around your life that you can blame. And it's not even the fact that it just happened. You're lying to yourself. The reason your life is out of control is because somewhere there in life, you got loose. 
You didn't want to be uptight Aaron anymore. And just kind of loosened up a little. Until it becomes undone. Come on, am I preaching good this morning? Because this is what's happening to us. And I'm trying to say the Lord is trying to bring this church to a place where we protect ourselves from becoming too loose. Because the devil wants us undone. But as long as I'm your pastor, I'm going to be an uptight one. I'm not going to be that loosey-goosey one that says, oh, God loves you how you are, stay in yours. And no, I'm going to be your Moses. I'm going to get in your face and say, what happened? It just happened, pastor. No, it didn't. You loosened up. You got loose. But see, as long as Aaron is just shifting blame, lying to himself, not taking responsibility, and thinking it just happened, you would never see the restoration God was trying to bring. That's why I can find no better title for this message than tighten up a little. Because I wonder right now, you might be looking at your spiritual life. And it's a little loose lately, amen? Sometimes you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to wake up at dawn and spend time with the Lord. That alarm goes off. You say, why did I say that? And that devil whispers to you, loosen up. Stay in bed. Cut yourself some slack. Tomorrow. Tomorrow turns to next week. Next month. Until you say, what happened? I don't know. It feels like it just happened. But you loosened up. You're loosening up in your spiritual life. I'm not going to go to church today. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go to Bible study. I'm not going to read today. I'm not going to pray today. Oh, let's just stay home. Let's relax. It's the truth. Well, I commend you guys. It's Super Bowl weekend and you're in church. What is wrong with you? You probably have a good church. Amen? So he's saying, and we're loosening up in our spiritual. The devil says, just loosen up. Maybe you're looking at your marriage and it's, it's getting loose. Isn't it interesting when you're married, we say we tied the knot? But that knot cannot stay tight if both ends don't pull together. But somewhere down the line in your marriage, you and your spouse stop pulling together and now you're pulling apart. Fighting all the time. Your marriage is becoming undone. It's loosening up. You're not as tight as we used to be. Tight enough. But she's evil. Tight enough. You better do something to save your marriage. If it's counseling you need, I'm here. If you're saying, well, Pastor, I just need, we, you guys might need to just go on a few more dates. Spend more time together. You might have to be more forgiving. But see, maybe you see some loose ends in your marriage and the devil's saying, just give it slack, just loosen up until it's undone. Maybe you're seeing some loose ends in your parenting. Why? Because it's not cool to be an uptight parent. And you know, you're tempted to be that parent that's loose and gives them slack. So you let your kids watch what they want to watch, do what they want to do, have friends, whoever they want. You don't even know what their friends' names are. And they're there in the world, and the world's raising them, and they're on TikTok and social media, and who knows what they're indulging in, and you're just there. Why? I'm just going to give them slack. Why? Well, because parenting is hard. I get it. I don't get it. I may not have children of my own yet, but listen. I know enough to know that there's a generation that's coming after us that wants nothing to do with God. And the parents can't just look and watch the looseness of their kid's spiritual life and say, well, I don't know what happened. Yes, you do. You got loose. We need more uptight parents in this generation. 
There are so many areas in your life that are loosening up to the point that it will get undone. And every area of your life that you are slacking in and you're just loosening up in is an area in your life that eventually will become undone. That is why Moses looked at Aaron and said, you let this happen. Because the second that those people said, make us a God that we can serve because God has abandoned us. Moses has abandoned us. That was a time for Aaron to stand up for the Lord and say, no, we will not serve another God because there's only one true living God. And that God left us and led us out of Egypt and he will return. He has not abandoned us and we will not do this sin. But Aaron said, no, just loosen up a little. Okay, guys, bring me some gold. Because he rather had pleased the people than God. He loosened up. When you read the Bible, so many people, their lives got completely out of control because they loosened up. Take Adam, for example. Adam neglected his responsibilities like Aaron did. See, Adam, you want to know what happened in the story of Genesis. Satan comes crawling into Eve, tempting her to disobey God and eat the forbidden fruit. But the Bible was clear that Adam was with her. Adam saw the devil attacking his own wife. Adam saw the devil luring Eve into sin. Adam should have stood up for his wife. He should have stood up for his marriage. He should have stood up for his family, his responsibility as a man, as a leader of his family. But Adam got loose, gave her some slack. And the world became undone with sin because Adam let it happen. David's life was out of control. And the Bible says he had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. But that didn't just happen. The Bible says during a time where kings should have been out at war, David was at home in the palace. David neglected to do his responsibility as a king, as a leader. Because David, he had a lot of achievements at war. Maybe that one time that he should have been out at battle, should have been out with his men, he told himself, I'm going to give myself some slack. I'm just going to loosen up a little and stay home and not be where I should, I should be, but I'm just going to loosen up a little. And that's where he saw Bathsheba baby. Because he failed to keep a tight ring on his responsibilities and his eyes. Think about Samson. He was responsible to defeat the Philistines. And rather than defeat the Philistines, he's sleeping with them. Joining them in parties. Crossing over into Gaza. Failing his responsibilities. Somewhere down the line, Samson just started loosening up. But you know why he was loosening up? Because his parents knew that he should not have been with that woman. Knew he should not have been in Gaza. He, and they said, Aiho, why are you with her? Why are you doing that thing? You shouldn't do that. That's all they said. What a difference in Joshua. Joshua said, as for me in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. But Moses' parents, Moses wanted to be cool parents. Oh, so let's give them some slack. It's not going to be serious. And in the end of Samson's life, he's in chains. With his eyes gouged out. Because he loosened up. God forgave all of them. But they suffered the consequences. 
Adam suffered the consequences of his sin in the whole world. It became sin. David suffered the consequences of his slack, his loose living, and his firstborn son died. Samson suffered his consequences and he died himself. Why is it so important I tell you this? Because God forgives and God's love. But there are consequences to your sin. There are consequences to your loose living. There are consequences when you want to live a life that's slacking because you don't want to tighten up on your things that matter. You don't want to tighten up on your spiritual life. You don't want to tighten up on your godliness. You don't want to tighten up because it's so tense when you're tight. But listen to me. There's only a matter of time till it loosens up and becomes undone. So Moses looks at Aaron and says, your life is out of control. The people are out of control because you let it. Verse 20. Moses got the calf, broke it down, turned it into a powder. He burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Why? Because God did this in the book of Numbers. If a woman was caught, listen, this. You guys ready? Thinking caps. If a woman was caught in adultery or suspected of being in an adulterous relationship, they would make this bitter drink. They would make her drink it, and if she got sick, it was a sign that she was guilty, and they stoned her dead. Moses, God tells Moses, I want you to make this bitter drink out of their gold. Make them drink it. They will get sick. Why? Because they've committed adultery with me. Idolatry is adultery towards God. Because idolatry is anything that takes the place away from God. And every time you just turn yourself from God and something in your life becomes an idol, you are committing adultery and it will have consequences. So God says to them, they're guilty. There's consequences to But then the story turns around and gets interesting. Because in Exodus 32, now verse 25 through 29, notice what happens next. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of the enemy. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and shouted, All of you, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. So Moses, he shouts to the camp and says, whoever is on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. They all said, okay. The Levites said, Lord, we're sorry. We should not have done this. But Lord, we want to be on your side right now. So as Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, Come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them then, notice this, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you, take your swords, go back and forth from the end of the camp to the other, and kill everyone, even your brothers and friends and neighbors. And the Levites obeyed Moses, commanding them. And about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed Him. Even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers, today you have earned the blessing. Now this is a part of the Scripture that's always hard for me to understand. But the Levites said, okay, our lives are out of control, but Lord, we're sorry. And we're making a decision to be on your side. And God said, okay. Get a sword. 
and kill everyone that's not. And this meant some family members, some of their children, and neighbors. And say, well, Pastor, why does God even do that in the Old Testament? I'm not saying you do that today. By the way, that's illegal. Don't go to jail. But God was trying to show the people the seriousness of sin and the seriousness of obedience. Can you imagine those people when they picked up that sword and said, we're on the Lord's side here. And they went back and forth from the camp and started killing the people they loved. Because these people were not repentant. These people did not want to serve God. And 3,000 of them died. Now the Lord's not going to tell you to do that to them. You can breathe a little the Lord's not going to tell you to do that to you. But I'll close with this. This is what the Lord will tell you in Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Notice what God says here. The same language in the book of Exodus. Put to death the sinful, earthly things that are lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolatry, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these things, the sin, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when you were still a part of the world. But now, just as a time to get rid of anger, get rid of rage, get rid of malice, get rid of behavior and slander and dirty language. Do not lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on a new nature, being renewed as you learn to know your Creator and becoming like Him. Can you imagine when those Levites stood there and said, we're going to be for God. We're going to be on the Lord's side. We're tired of our lives being out of control. We're tired of living wrong. We're tired and we want to see the blessings of God in our lives. So we're choosing to be on His side. And God said, okay, those are just words. I need action. And the Levites get this sword and said, God tells us to kill everyone that's going to hinder us from serving. But in the New Testament, this is exactly what God is telling us to do. Put to death what doesn't honor God. Put to death the sin that is lingering in your life. You see, at this point, you might be wondering, well, how do I do that? What does it mean to put to death? That word death is a word that literally means to deprive of power. It's a term that was used when a king came into new control. So when a king took over a palace, and it was under new management, under new rule. That king had to make sure to kill every person that was an ally to the old king. That king made sure to kill every friend, every neighbor, every best friend, every child, any relative that belonged to the king. So because, and you're saying, well, Pastor, why would that ever happen? Because the new king needed to know that there was no threat to his kingdom. So in the book of Colossians, when God says, put to death whatever sin is lingering in your life, he's using this connotation that Jesus Christ is the new king in your life. He's the new ruler in your world. But there are things in this world that are trying to be a threat to your kingdom. There are threats all around you. 
that are trying to stop you from God's work. There are threats all around you that want to kill what God is trying to do. There are threats that's going to kill your spiritual walk with God. There are threats that are going to keep you from being blessed. There are threats that are going to reach your children. There are threats to your marriage. There are threats to your home. There are threats to your spiritual life with God. And God says you need to kill it. You need to make extreme measures to make sure that this thing in your life has no more power over your life anymore. If your life is out of control, take responsibility for it. Stop putting blame on others. Stop saying it's their fault. Stop lying to yourself and say it just happened. And say, no, I am the reason my life is out of control. I am the reason my life is not where it should be with God. I got slack. I got loose. But today I'm on the Lord's side. Amen. And if you're going to say I'm on the Lord's side, you need to take serious measures to kill the sin that wants to overpower you. That wants to ruin your life. And you say, you know, Pastor, how do I do that? The Bible says put to death whatever sin is lingering. You have to recognize that the sin in your life has no more power over you. The temptations you face, you give them power, but they should not have power over you. But you have to make a decision today like the Levites did. That we're tired of our lives being out of control. And we have to take serious measures to kill what's a threat to our lives. If there's a threat to your spiritual life that's trying to kill you from spending time with God, spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, you have to identify what that threat is and kill it. Maybe that threat is your phone. Maybe that threat is television. Maybe that threat is a friendship. But it's a threat to what's keeping you from doing what God has commanded you to do. You need to depower it in your life. If there's a threat in your home and to your marriage, you and your wife had to come in agreement and say, there's a threat to our marriage. And we have to put an end to this. We have to kill this. And it might mean you have to kill your pride. You might have to kill some relationships. You might have to kill some habits. But see, God was saying this only to demonstrate the seriousness of serving God. You see, it wasn't enough for the Levites to say, we're going to serve God. It wasn't enough for them to gather together like the Bible said. God said, you need to put to death the people that are going to hinder you. You see, if your life is out of control, just saying God's on my side is not going to be enough. Just gathering together in church is going to do nothing. You have to get serious about the sin in your life. And the Levites obeyed. And the Bible says something interesting in verse 29. The Bible says that the Levites earned a blessing. The Bible says Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained for yourself service to the Lord, for you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. What blessing did they earn? The Levites were the only people allowed to work in the temple. The Levites were the only ones allowed to give sacrifices. They were allowed to worship. They were allowed to sing the songs. They were allowed to be in the temple court preparing for all the religious holidays. They were allowed to have a closer relationship with God than anyone else because they made that choice to put God first over other people. But what's amazing about the Levites is that I believe the real blessing was that from generation to generation to generation after that, all the way up to Jesus' time, the Levites were always closer to God. And I believe the greatest blessing you're going to have when you choose to put God first 
and put to death whatever doesn't honor him. It's seen the generation after you serving the Lord. And I was telling my wife this morning as I was driving, I said, you know what? I'm so grateful for uptight parents. I'm so grateful that my parents had a tight rein on what me and my brothers did, what we watched, who were we with, what we were doing. And I, I must have thought, man, they're so uptight, they're so uptight. Mom, thank you. Thank you. Because if I had parents that slacked, if I had parents that were loose, if I had parents that oh, we didn't go to church, oh, maybe I may not even be your pastor today. But see, they're going to have the blessing of seeing the next generation and the generation after that because you better believe I'm going to be an uptight parent. But see, the blessing is seeing your children after you serve the Lord because you made the choice to say our lives will no longer be out of control. We're going to put a tight rein on this life, amen? We need to tighten up our prayer life we need to tighten up our personal lives. You need to tighten up your home life. You're going to go. I pray you leave this church today with a little sword in your hand and say, okay, who's going to die? Who's next? This has to die. This has to die. But I'm serious about serving God. Come on, let's all stand to our feet today. Yeah, give God praise today. Come on. I want to pray for you all today. If you're here this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today as an act of confession today, you're saying, Pastor, the Holy Spirit spoke to me today through this message. I'm a little slack, but a little loose lately. You put that hand up today. If there's things in your life you need to tighten up, amen, amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, my life's out of control. And I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what you have to stop doing. Stop blaming everyone else for your out of control life. Stop blaming everyone else for the reason your life is so broken. And stop lying to yourself that it just happened that way. And confess today it's because of your own choices. But today you can choose to be on the Lord's side because Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And today, you can say, I want to begin my relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, I challenge you today to put that hand up and say, I'm making this decision for Jesus today. And if you're here today, God bless you. God bless you. I see you there as well. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I have a relationship with Jesus, but it's been a little loose lately. I've been a little slack lately. I'm slacking in my time with God. I'm slacking in my mouth and the things I'm saying and doing. I've been slacking with my kids. I've been slacking in my marriage. It's loose, but I don't want it to be undone. Then make this commitment this morning, church, that you're going to leave this church this morning identifying the threats in your life and putting an end to it once and for all. That might mean you have to cancel some subscriptions, delete some phone numbers, end some friendships, turn off some television, spend more time with God. You know what you need to do to get your life back where it needs to be. But if your life is out of control, God does not want it to be that way. So Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name today, I pray for every person here whose life is out of control. Every person who says, Pastor, my life is not where it needs to be. It's easy to blame others. It's easy to lie to myself and say it just happened. But I know that my life is a result of my slack. I've been too loose in my life. But today I'm tightening up in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tighten up where things have become loose. And I just plead the blood of Jesus over your life today. That you would have the strength like the Levites did to put to death whatever does not belong in your life anymore. And I pray in Jesus' name for relationships to end that don't honor God. And in Jesus' name that entertainment that doesn't honor God no longer entertains you. I pray in Jesus' name that today you will not watch the filth and the garbage of the halftime show just a football game. Amen? 
I pray in Jesus' name, you put an end to worldliness. You put an end to things that don't honor God. And say, I'm tired of my life being out of control. And Father, I pray that you would bless us and use us. But Father, first and foremost, I pray that we be the generation that sees the next generation serving you. Because we were the uptight generation. Amen? And Father, I pray for the future generation in our church. That they would have a tight relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise to them. Amen.